right. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table over there. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1 today. Uh, I will go ahead and read it, and then we will pray and dig in. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord... And it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness, about, uh, witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. This is the Word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Jesus, I pray for us that we would pay much closer attention to what we've already heard. We live in such a a time and a place where things move so quickly and things become so trivial that we're almost allergic to the significant and it becomes hard for us to just steep in the reality that God became a man who bore our sins to make us right with God, to baptize us in the Spirit, give us life. Help us to, to steep in the reality that we're your body here on earth, that your spirit is with us now, uh, that everything uh, that we've ever done against you or anyone else is no longer remembered by you, that our, our sins and lawless deeds are no more, and we're made right with you, and we're your children. Help me even as I preach this sermon to remember my primary job here is not to show anyone how good I am, but to show uh, the world how good you are, Jesus, and I can only do that with the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Spirit, please Whatever is just of me be forgotten, but whatever is clearly of Jesus, uh, God, that we would just see it and that would just grow us in a passion for the gospel. We pray for this city. We pray for the church in this city. We pray for the other churches in this city. We pray that there would be unity here around the reality of who you are, Jesus. God, we need you. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name and for your glory. Jesus Christ, amen. All right. Continuing through Hebrews. At the core of what we believe as a church is that Jesus has made us free. That the God of the universe entered into human history to fix the problem that we made so that we could know Him, love Him, and serve Him. Because we know Jesus, because we know who He is, as a people, uh, the most basic vision for our church is to be a people who have a white-hot and growing passion for Jesus in response to who He is and what He has done. And today I think what we look at here in Hebrews shows us some of the mightiest logs we can throw on the particular fire of our hearts as we glory in Jesus and what He's done. He's just going to say, remember what you heard. Remember what you heard. Uh, The very basic building blocks of what we know to be true about Jesus are some of the greatest logs when they go on our heart that produce worship for Him and love for others uh, that we can do our life in response to Him as we love God and we love other people and as we carry the message of Jesus to Seattle. Uh, The author of Hebrews here uh, sees that his people are in trouble. Sees that this church is in trouble. And what's amazing is his very first move 
is to spend a whole chapter talking about how amazing Jesus is and then to immediately jump in and not give them any new information. And we'll get into some new information in Hebrews. We've got to deal with Melchizedek, who appears in the Bible like three times, and we've got some work to do there. And if you've not read that, you'll be like, what are you talking about? You'll know. You'll see. And you're like, that is confusing. You're right. But right now, the thing that he's bringing them to is this. What you already know. What you've already heard. So let's go ahead and dig in. Verse 2. Pardon me, verse 1, chapter 2. Therefore, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Number one, maybe not the number one rule. One of the top ten silly rules that you can remember about reading your Bible. If you come to the, ver- the word therefore, you ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Um, why do we ask that? Because he just said it. Therefore. Therefore what? Therefore chapter 1. In many times, in many ways, God spoke. God has spoken and He's spoken through His Son. Uh, you know, to, He spoke to the fathers uh, by the prophets, but in these last days He's spoken to His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of, uh, of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus. The therefore is for Jesus. The therefore is for how awesome Jesus is and how amazing Jesus is. And and for a whole chapter, he didn't dig into, hey, you guys are going sideways, and hey, you guys have forgotten the gospel, and this, that, and the other. He goes right at Jesus. For a whole chapter, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have already heard, lest we drift away. He's not interested in them having new knowledge at this point in time. He wants them to remember what they've already heard. And they've heard about Jesus and they've heard about his gospel. So just to be clear, what we're not after here is we're not after life tweaking. right? He doesn't give them a list of things to do and say, you know, uh, if you do this, your life will be better. And if you do that and you manage your finances this way and you do this with your wife, everything's going to be fine, great, perfect, and dandy. He doesn't do life tweaking. We're not after life tweaking. Right, uh, And he doesn't come and simply say, you know what you guys really need? You need some PMA. An old-timey 1980s hardcore language, that's positive mental attitude. Uh, you sing it high with basketball. Sorry, you had to be there. So, hardcore 1985-ish. Uh, it's not about PMA. It's not about positive mental attitude. It's not about you simply having uh, the right disposition and putting a smile on. And if you have a good, if you think good thoughts, good things will come to you. Uh, that is not the message of Christianity. And if you're a pastor, you write books like that. Those are the only books you can get in the QFC if you're a pastor. Uh, but they are there. But that's not what he's after. He's not saying, hey, be nicer, be a better person, do nicer things, pay it forward, and everything will be fine. That's not what he's after here. And not only that, here in this text, He's not even after just giving them some new knowledge. If you just knew more, you'd stop sinning. If you just knew more, you'd stop getting distracted from Jesus. If you just knew more, he says, no. It's not that you need more, and it's not that you need to change your PMA, and it's not that I'm going to tweak some things in your life. You need to remember what's already true. You've forgotten that God made everything good and that we broke it, and that Jesus came to fix it, and He's going to restore everything. Don't forget that when you were once 
running and rebelling from God, Jesus Christ reached down and came and got you. Don't forget, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been washed clean of all of your sins, inside and out, by the blood. Don't forget the manger. Don't forget that God Himself came into human history as a baby to save the world. Don't forget that that same baby lives the perfect sinless life that you were supposed to live in your place. He's done everything on the cross for you to know God, to pay the price for all your sins, give you complete access to God. Luke 3.16, He came uh, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He came to give us life and life with God. You've been given life if you're in Christ. The, 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 the profound realities of heaven and hell that Jesus has saved us from ourself and from our sin and from Satan and from death. To what? To life with God forever for His praise to enjoy Him always. He's saying to the Hebrews, you need to remember this first before we can talk about Melchizedek. You remember this first because this is something that they have forgotten. And frankly, it's something that we're quick to forget too. And if you're not a Christian and you're here with us today and you're hearing what I have to say, you need to know that I'm not after tweaking your life. I'm not after your behavior changing. And I'm not after giving you some information. I'm after you knowing Jesus Christ, the God of the universe who came into human history, died on a cross to crush the beef between us and God and give us full access to God through his cross. The agenda is that, that we need to be people who live. Because, friends, we've been set free by Jesus Christ, and we need to live. My agenda is not to tweak your life. My agenda is that you would meet Jesus and live. You'd know Jesus is real. Verse 2. For since the message declared by angels, back to angels, if you are here last week, we're back with the angels again. Now for uh, the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. What's he talking about here? Uh, Deuteronomy 33. It says that when God comes to, to, to enact the things of the old covenant, that there are 10,000 of the holy ones. That's an Old Testament way to say celestial beings or angels. There's 10,000 holy ones with God uh, in that moment. What a, like... <laughs> What a like beyond something you can imagine sight. 10,000 holy ones. Uh, Acts 7 says that the law was delivered by angels and Galatians 3 says something similar. So what he's most likely talking about here, this message declared by angels that proved to be reliable is the old covenant. Is the way that God had related to his people. Uh, we'll look a lot at Jeremiah 31 uh, in this letter because it quotes it at length. Uh, but that God came, uh, he saves his people, he reveals himself to Abraham, he saves them out of Egypt, and he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And he shows them what life is like. And even in Jeremiah 31, he says, uh, I was your husband. And you broke the covenant. You broke our arrangement. You broke how this thing was supposed to work. Even though I was your husband, uh, you rebelled and you went after pretend gods and you went after other things than me. And it's clear that the, the, uh, the disobedience that received the just retribution uh, in their rebelling, they get exiled. And they want to run from God. God lets them run, lets them go, and lets them get on out into exile. Um, though he was their husband, though... Even Jesus says language like, I, I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Um, so this old deal, this, this way that God had revealed himself to his people, showed them how to relate to him. 
So that thing, that old covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people. This is what it looks like to walk in my ways. That old covenant reality proved to be reliable. It was real and it was legit. And the thing we need to see is that though he's going to, the author of Hebrews is going to juxtapose the new covenant in the gospel and the blood of Christ to the old covenant, often as we work our way through this book, he does so in such a way because the old covenant set us up for the new covenant. The whole point of the old covenant was that this one was going to come who's going to restore everything and put everything back the way it was supposed to be. He said, hey, if so if the old thing proved to be reliable, check this out. Three, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now he switched to the new covenant. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. How shall we escape? This word escape has the particular connotation of seeing trouble coming and doing the right things to deal with the trouble. Uh, to see that the relationship between them and God is broken and repair it, to take refuge in Christ. How will we escape? How will we take refuge? How will we find safety in Christ? How will we find life instead of death in Jesus? How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How will we escape? How will we have life without Christ? Because they keep adding a bunch of stuff, as we'll see as we dig into Hebrews. They're adding some things. They're, they're trying to do works righteousness. They're trying to say, yeah, Jesus plus we're going to go to the temple and we're going to sacrifice some animals. And Jesus plus we're going to observe certain laws that have passed away in Christ. So that, you know, we've got, you know, is it Jesus plus fire insurance? Is it Jesus seems good enough and maybe this other stuff will help? Jesus plus this other thing. But the reality is that Jesus plus anything isn't the gospel because it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Why is it that we get to be God's people? Jesus. Sunday school answer. I know it's a simple one. It's the basics. Why? Jesus. It's not because I was awesome. He didn't come and say, that guy. I know that for a fact. He's got awesome, you know, when I got saved, he's got awesome risk skills and can, that's about it. He can play a lot of risk. (laughs) Needs to work harder. Right? He didn't need someone on the risk team in heaven. Right? That's not why he picked me. That's not why he picked you. He picked you to show his grace. Don't forget it. He picked you because he's awesome. I say that every week for a reason. Because you need to remember what you've already heard. You need to remember what you've already heard. Um, it was declared at first by the Lord. This message, this gospel message, this great salvation that Jesus saves sinners. Now, we have to be careful because we have to unpack that a little bit. I think those three words do such a great job of telling us what the good news of the gospel is. But if you miss that he saves sinners from what? From yourself. From dead religion. From wiling out. From Satan. From hell. From, from, from just a trivial life. It's going nowhere. He saves you from those things to great and mighty things. If you don't get the saves to thing, if you miss that he saves us to life, you only actually have half a gospel. That's half the gospel. And that's good, right? That's, never hear me say that that's bad. <laughs> that's good. Justified by faith, good, yes. <laughs> saved from myself, praise the Lord. But if, friends, we miss that he saved us to life, If he saved us to Jesus, he saved us to joy, we miss the whole gospel. It's half a gospel. The whole gospel is that Jesus 
has made you free for freedom, for life, for worship, for joy. Joy. How quick do we forget that? Quick. Quick. This gospel, the whole gospel, God enters human history, lives the life I was supposed to live, dies in my place, the power of the empty tomb, his death for my life. In my place condemned, he stood. He took my death so I could get life. The great exchange. It was declared at first by the Lord. You see this in a really clear way in Mark's gospel. I like Mark's gospel. I preached through it, I guess, a couple years ago now. It's punchy. It's quick. One, two, three. In Mark's gospel, Jesus shows up on the scene. This is the gospel of the Son of God. Next thing you know, uh, he's getting baptized. The next thing you know, he's in the wilderness being tempted. And the next thing you know, when he starts his public ministry, and this all happens in like 14 verses. In Luke's gospel, the doctor, the good doctor, and I love Luke's gospel too, because I'm a Bible nerd and I love the Bible. You know, but by the time we get into Luke chapter 4, we finally get to Jesus' public ministry. In Mark's gospel, this is the gospel of the Son of God. He came and he was baptized. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And then what does he start doing? What's the next thing Jesus starts doing? Preaches the kingdom. Preaches the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Right? It says right here. Was declared at first by the Lord. Never forget that Jesus is a preacher. Preaches the good news of himself. But then what does it say? And it was attested to, the, uh, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So he means here the people who actually heard Jesus. Right? So he's probably namely got in mind the, his, his immediate disciples and the 72 and uh, the several Marys that we have uh, because it's hard to keep track of who we're talking about when it says Mary in the Bible because um, there's lots of them. They're all awesome. Yeah, they're all awesome. Um, <laughs> just had to check my facts. Yep, they're all awesome. So they're all telling the good news, right? What they heard and what they saw that the gospel is real, that Jesus is not just Messiah, and he is, but he's God himself who's come to save us from ourselves and give us life. Okay? And it was attested to us by those who heard. Now, this is really important because that is the whole point of the gospels. These are eyewitness accounts. Marcus, Peter's, Matthew is one of the disciples. Luke is uh, sort of a collage of different accounts of Jesus but he's connected to the Apostle Paul. Uh, John's Gospel, which is amazing. Uh, and sometimes you're like, so 1, 2, and 3, the Synoptic Gospel, sound a little different than John's Gospel. Why is that? Well, John is right in the inner three. He's actually walking with Jesus, like right there with Jesus for three years. And guess what? If you were walking with Jesus for three years, like straight up right there with him forever, you might have some interesting things to say about walking with the God of the universe, right? Um, he has a very clear picture that Jesus is God as the other guys do, but his is more of a heaven down and the others are earth up as you begin to see, oh, more and more, oh, Jesus is God. John's gospel just comes out like, oh, Jesus is God. Uh, but that's just how the synoptics work. Now, what's important there is that, that they want us to know, the people who wrote those want us to know how reliable these texts are. Uh, a great little book, it's not a little book, it's a big book and it's half boring, but the first two chapters will help you. Uh, it's called Jesus and I Witnesses by Richard Bauckham from St. Andrews uh, in England. Uh, anyways, 
what he goes to show is that a couple of things. One, uh, the Gospels themselves, if this was a, a PR campaign for something that didn't actually happen, they're actually not very good. Uh, Mark, one of my favorites, writes about Pete, Peter, right? And so in all the gospel accounts, we get this, or at least three of them, we get this account of the transfiguration where Jesus shows them his glory and they see who he is. But in Mark's gospel, there's an interesting fact that's included. And, and, and Peter says, should we make tents, Lord? And sometimes if people didn't check their synoptics when they're preaching on it, maybe they preach it out of Luke, they say, see, look, Peter thought they were going to stay on the mountain forever and he didn't want to live on mission and he wanted to stay on the mountain forever. But if you read in Mark's gospel where the one that would have come from Pete himself, what does he say? He says, I said, Jesus, should we make some tents because I had no idea what to say. He says right there in this. He goes, you didn't know what to say because he's there with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Tents? Because what would you say if you're with Jesus and Moses and Elijah? Tents? But it is a little counterproductive if the point of that is to set up Peter as this guy who's this awesome head of the church. You read it, Pete just looks like, he doesn't look, he messes up a lot, right? You're the Christ. And the next thing, no, Jesus, don't do that. And Jesus calls him Satan. I got your back. What do you mean I'm Satan, right? Not really the thing you want to put to really make everyone know this is the powerful leader of the New Testament church, the guy that Jesus calls Satan, but the thing is, the point of the Gospels is not to show you how good Peter is, is it? It's to show you how good Jesus is. That he's the Christ, and he's the one. And, and so the whole point there is to show you the eyewitness reality of the Gospel. And he's leaning on that here. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. I think in the first part we're focusing on what's happening probably through the apostles' hands themselves, mighty, mighty miracles. But what's clear is not only that, but God is working through the church. He was working through the church then. He's working through the church now. And the Holy Spirit is with Anchor Church. Don't forget what you've already heard. He's with Anchor Church to do what? What is the point of the Holy Spirit here with us? One, we're God's people and he's here to give us life. And two, we are a witness to the reality of Jesus. Anchor Church, you are a witness to the reality that this is the truth. Now sometimes, it doesn't always feel like that. I just feel pretty pedantic and boring and bland because I forget what I've heard. God's using you in a cosmic way if you're a Christian. Using this church, this little church in Wallingford, in a cosmic way. Because remember that thing I said about him not picking me because I was the risk guy? He's displaying to the universe his grace and his glory and his goodness by giving us life. Because he's good. Let's take it back up in two and one. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What have we heard? The gospel lest we drift away. Let's start with the word attention. Attention. This particular word has a couple connotations. This word can actually be translated in Old Greek text as addicted. Addicted. On the mind. In response we're living in the wake of what we already know to be true. The gospel. 
that our minds are occupied with what we have already heard. That, that, that our, the meditation of our heart and the things that are on our mind are the things of the gospel and the reality of Jesus. And then he says this, lest we drift away. Lest we drip, drift away. Why do we want to have our minds occupied with Christ? Why do we end up, well, because he's good for starters. But here's the deal. When our minds are occupied with Christ and the waves and the wind of life hit, when we cut as a church, when Anchor Church is cut, I want us to bleed Jesus. When we're hit, I want Jesus to be what comes out of our mouth. Uh, I want us to reflect our master who when they crucified him, things came out of his mouth that were, could only have been divine. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what happened when they crucified our Lord. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, if they only understood, but they don't. Forgive them. When your boss yells at you at work, do you turn the other cheek or do you just talk about how he's a jerk? I'm not saying your boss gets to mistreat you. I'm just saying when you get hit in life, um, when things aren't going the way that you feel like they should be going with the kids, it's Saturday morning, it's mama's sleeping day. How do you have so much energy at 7 in the morning? (laughs) Who put sugar in the pancakes? I made the pancakes. They don't have sugar in them. And remembering it's not my job to be their God, it's my job to be their dad, be their papa, love them and serve them and just corral the good party energy. Have, live it up when you're 33. It doesn't work so well, right? <laughs> live it up. Enjoy. Outside while mama's sleeping. But when you get hit with the frustration, what comes out? Is it the reminder of who's God and who's not? God's God and I'm not. How dare you not stay quiet at three years old? But we have to remember what we heard to love and steward them, to to respond to your boss, to um, even continue to work hard for Jesus when your boss is yelling at you. Right? How? You know, how is it that that happens? How is it that when you cut, when, when, I mean, just even, just the little things, right? I, I realized the other day, uh, I'm at work, I'm doing my thing, uh, I get some news that honestly isn't the biggest tragic news I've ever heard. I screwed up on something. I didn't get the thing that I wanted to work the way I wanted it to. And my, I found myself being absolutely irritated. I was irritated at everything. And I'm in my, in my, in my office by myself, irritated. Because I forgot what was the truth that I'm headed home to Jesus, with Jesus forever and I have life now and this is insignificant. Right? When we are cut, I want us to believe Jesus. Why? This word here. Um, I know we all use, our, many of us use different Bibles. Many of us are in the ESV. I preach out of the ESV. I think it's one of the finest Word-for-word English translations available. That is not a spot. It's just the Bible I like. Um, Now, having said that, as you're here, if you're with me, you'll see on the screen even, somewhere in there, uh, lest we drift away from it. 
It's completely fair to put from it in there, but that's not there in the Greek. That's a completely fair translation. If you're in the NIV 84 or the NASB, it's not there. It's not actually there in the Greek. They're filling it in for us. Still really good. But lest we drift away. And it's saying lest we drift away from the gospel. My concern is that we miss that if we miss Jesus, we're just going to plain and simple drift away. Uh, drift away, however, is a great translation of this word. The, the word picture, the imagery here, is floating down a stream and missing the lifeline. Missing the thing we need to grab. Missing the thing that's important. And, and frankly, if we miss the basics of the reality of Jesus, if we miss the basics of the gospel, we will slip. And like a guy in a, uh, uh, a keg going down Niagara Falls, we go down the falls instead of grab for life. That's his concern for them. He sees them slipping. And the life ring that he offers them is Jesus. Is Jesus. What do I mean by that? There are several ways we can slip. Uh, Luke chapter 8. There's a parable that Jesus tells. He's an amazing storyteller. The parable goes something like this. There's a guy throwing some seeds. And if you've known me for any period of time, you might even know I'm growing in my agrarian references. I'm working on my greenhouse, but I'm not what one would call a farmer of any kind or shape. So I guess you throw seeds out. Grand. Anyways, in the parable, the guy throws a bunch of seeds out, and he says, some land on rocky ground, and some land in brambles, and some land in these other places, and some grow. Okay, what does he mean by that? He unpacks it for him in verse 11. Now the parable is this. This is Jesus talking. The seed is the word of God. The truth that you have heard. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, uh, but they, these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. When they cut, they don't believe Jesus. And I'm not, when I say that, I'm not saying when things get hard that I want you to put on a happy face. Right? When, when tragedy strikes in your family, the answer is not, how are you doing? Well, better than I deserve. We want to be an open, authentic, transparent people who are willing to say, I'm dying inside right now. Because when you can say that, someone can say to you, Jesus loves you. This I know. And can weep with the weeping. When I say, I would hate to turn uh, something like this idea that when we get hit with the waves, Jesus comes out into an act where we pretend. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I want us to be people who find our center quickly around the reality of the God of the universe. Does that make sense? Just, Just for clarity's sake. So they may not believe in me. They believe for a while in time, testing fall away. And as for those who fell among the thorns... They are those who hear, but as they uh, go on their way, they are choked out by the cares, of the rich, uh, cares and riches and pleasures of life. Money, power, life, whatever is choking out. And the, the, their fruit does not mature. As for that uh, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. 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 Because it turns out sanctification is a long time. 
so this parable gives us sort of the, the rough sketch of many ways we can fade away uh, by, by not hearing at all. You fall down the, the waterfall by uh, hearing and then getting obsessed with other things, paying attention to other things. But I think there's something really important for us to see. And that's actually in Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6 and 20. These are the last things he says to Timothy at the end of the letter. So that means it's important. Verse 20 says this from Paul to Timothy. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit, which he talked about in chapter 1, it's the gospel. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Watch out after that thing. Believe it. Believe it. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from their faith. That's kind of more what's happening with them. And honestly, for us as Christians, can honestly happen to us a little bit more. There was that tragic, tragic event several years ago of this group who thought they'd nailed the day that Jesus is going to return. And to me, the tragic, most tragic piece of that, when I heard what they said, I was following pretty closely. My heart really went out for them. Uh, when I really realized how brokenhearted we should be for those people. When they said, I have the good news of the gospel. It's the gospel of the end of the world. The end of the world is coming, and we need to, to, to hear the gospel of the end of the world. What was missing from that gospel? Jesus, right? They got so focused on the end date that they lost Jesus along the way, right? We can get this with so many aspects of our walk in Christ that we become so hunkered down on that thing. Uh, I mean, you want to you see that. Come have lunch with me at the seminary that I attend. And you can sit down with guys, and you want to just, I say this because I don't want to be this guy either, right? And you realize you've talked for half an hour about church models, about whatever. And you haven't heard about Jesus. You haven't prayed. You haven't been open about, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what Jesus is doing. It's awesome. It's a good shield (laughs) to keep away from what's going on inside. It sounds good and holy and right. And it can kind of keep people at bay from what's actually happening in here. Timothy says this. He says to Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, uh, and before I say this, this is not a verse about uh, men going off to have a Christian men's camping trip where you wrestle in the mud or whatever. (laughs) And you say, what are you talking about? I'll read the verse and be like, oh, I see what you're saying. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We have to fight daily to keep the reality of Jesus front and center, right? Just like uh, 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 I can do all things through him who strengthens me, doesn't belong on basketball jerseys per se. Uh, Fight the good fight uh, is not necessarily the thing for whatever the heck happens when you take guys out in the woods and it's supposed to be at a Christian camp thing and weird stuff happens, right? Like, it's not time for arm wrestling. It's time to grow in intimacy with Jesus. And if arm wrestling's the thing that does that, power to the people, you're free in Christ. (laughs) But this is a constant fight to remember what we heard. Fight the good fight and remember what you already know. Remember the basics. Back to Hebrews. 
Here's our problem. We don't believe the basics do anything so often. And so we kind of lean into what I'll call one of uh, wink-wink dispositions. What do I mean by wink-wink, right? I can only do this because I can, because you're right here and you can see me. But it's like, yeah, I know those guys are Christians, but if they were really those kinds of guys, they'd be real Christians. I I know we're all Christians here, but I would really like to talk about uh, uh, federal vision or middle knowledge or and if they were really oh you're oh you're that kind of reformed guy well have you read the councils of Dort what do you think about article three uh, and you wink <laughs> and what you're saying there is I, I know I know I know Jesus loves me this I know but if you were a real Christian you would have this other thing or this other practice if you're a real Christian you'd do this thing uh, you would do it this way you'd do it and oftentimes it's you'd do it my way right Power to the people, right? Arm wrestling, cool. If that brings you close to the Lord, I'm, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you, right? But if we're not careful, if we think that the gospel, if we miss the, the power of the gospel in and of itself, uh, uh, we miss uh, that we're not supposed to like try and really hard to know more or do more or feel more, Right? It's not about, oh, we have this kind of worship, and when people come, we adjust the lights, and we play Hillsong songs, and everyone just cries. We're real Christians. Hey, man, I cry when I sing songs to Jesus. You want to see me cry in the car with my little girl? If we're singing songs to Jesus together, it's dangerous for all the other drivers on the road. Cry for Jesus. I'm not saying don't know more about Jesus. No more. If wading into the deep end of, of theology and you bring the gospel with you and it makes your heart sing when you study middle knowledge, power to the people. Uh, when you go out into practice, whatever they might be, as long as you don't think you've got the way but a way to respond to the gospel of Jesus, power to the people. Right? Hey, I want you to feel some things about Jesus. But I don't think the way we do that is forcing you into some feeling. Only Jesus can do that because you know him. Power to the people. Let's do it. Because the deal is when we, get, uh, uh, when we get into these things and we try and impose them on other people, we actually trade our freedom in for a law. Right? Respond to Jesus in those ways. Praise the Lord. Don't trade in for a law. Don't trade in for this is what a real Christian is. The gospel plus this makes someone a real Christian. Don't trade it for the law. Because when we do that, we start to slip. And, and I think our issue is that sometimes we think the basics, and I'm going to say this in a crude and crass way, so bear with me. The basics of Christianity don't work. I think that's often what people feel. Yeah, the basics of Christianity don't work. The gospel didn't work for me. Reading my Bible didn't work for me. Praying didn't work for me. Community didn't work for me. It didn't work. Well, first of all, it's not a method to make something happen. It's not a method to produce an outcome, for starters. We go to, when we go to it as our method, as our pinata, oh, the pastor said that if I read my Bible for an hour every day, I will be more holy. So I read my Bible for an hour every day, and I don't feel more holy. Right? Here's, here's something I've been kicking around a lot. <clears throat> we live in a very fickle society. What do I mean fickle? We live in a fickle society that's, we're kind of, um, 
We're allergic to the significant. We don't do well with the significant, and that's only growing. What do I mean? Well, I, I wrote about it on LiveJournal, and then like three people were like, I know what that is. And everyone else is like, check your ID and how old you are will probably show whether or not you know what I'm talking about right now. Well, it was on LiveJournal. I mean, Friendster. I mean, MySpace. I mean, Facebook. Oh, there we go. I gave my life to get a Razor phone. It's a Razor phone. It was a silver phone, and you could take pictures with it, and it was new, and it was amazing. You could take pictures with your telephone. It was amazing. Blackberry, iPhone, Android, Galaxy. <laughs> two papers, two Seattle papers, each of them last night. Top headlines on why the new iPhone sucks, right? That's out of the world of significant. Both papers need to report on why the iPhone 5 is no good. Is there not something more significant happening in the world? My mom had the same phone for 20 years. 20 years my mom had the same phone, and no one wrote in the paper about my mom's phone ever, and it was hooked into the wall, and when people called, you picked it up, and when you were done with your conversation, you hung it up, and you moved on with your life. <laughs> now we've got them. I've got it. We've got all this inundation of information and idea and things that are happening all the time. Right? The things that matter to us, did you get, you know, oh man, I can now put Depeche Mode on my ringtone, uh, praise the Lord. This is, this is the day of mighty things. Uh, I was in Disneyland with my family. My mom, bless her heart, was gracious, took the team to California to go to Disneyland. And the weirdest thing about being in Disneyland was this. There were a thousand people with their phones out having a mediated experience between them and this place that they paid all this money to take their kids. What do you think, Johnny? Oh, I'm riding on a ride with my phone and I'm watching it on my phone. There's a trivialness in the air. Now, what I think is beautiful about Seattle and why I love Seattle is I think there are people who are actually seeking significance here. There are actually people who are not completely allergic towards like funerals. Have you ever noticed this? We just call them funerals. Now we call them life celebrations. And when you come to the life celebration, you don't talk about how they actually died. They're dead now. We're sad. We're bummed. And no one can just come and cry. No one can say, I miss so-and-so. It is tragic they are gone. I miss them because of this. We all just kind of get together and talk like they're not dead. We're allergic to the significant right? We're allergic to this, and we don't even know how to relate to it. And sometimes I think at the core of this, and it's cool because I see it in Seattle. I was listening to my, my radio station. They're doing a pledge drive last week, and, and someone calls in and donates for uh, their significant other who worked for the sta- I don't even remember. I think they worked for the station or something, and just were open about their struggle with an illness and how they died, and the people who were there on the, on the actual radio being real human beings for a moment in history, and then they blasted some awesome music because sometimes art's the place where we can seek significance. Now, why do I say all of this? This actually comes back to our problem with the basics. How do you read your Bible? Do you read it like a newspaper? So the pastor said, if you spend an hour in your Bible, which I'm not saying, spend an hour in your Bible, do it. Read your Bible. It will bless you. But when you go to the Bible, what do you go there for? Are you mining it for information? Do you read it like you read the newspaper? 
pointed air things through whom created world create yes yes Jesus great check check who reads poetry you ever read poetry if you want to get anything out of poetry you've got to read the thing slow if you don't read Robertson Jeffers slow you will be confused right? if you read William Carlos William fast you'll be like what happened here I don't know what's happening because the poem you've got to take it easy you've got to slow down guess what the Bible's the same way I would rather that you read one verse nice and slow than ten chapters and not get anything out of it. If you want the Bible to read you, if you want to ruminate on the, uh, the realities of God and Jesus and, and, and heaven and hell and creation and fall and redemption, you've got to take it easy. Take it easy with the Bible. It's not meant to be read fast like that. Because here's our thing. In all this, we're not at home with the significant. We need to become at home with the significant. Our aim as a church is to build this thing that it's significant, that it reminds us of the significance. It can be simple and significant. Life can be simple and significant. I'm not saying it has to be overly complicated. Joe came up here today and said what? Nobody remembers because they're eating donuts. If you were sitting down, he said, Jesus Gospel, Seattle. That sounds really simple, but those are actually really profound things. And he did such a great job of reminding everyone who, I thought he did a great job of saying, this is who we are. Blood-bought sinner saints. Welcome, let's sing. Because I don't really feel like singing when I don't remember what I've already heard. When I'm not at home with the significant and I'm just worried about like, getting my kids checked into the kids' ministry and did the thing happen, I don't take the time to realize, man, Andy and Heidi are going to stand up and we're going to sing the profound truths of our faith. Right? I didn't know what they were going to sing today, but what they on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Breathe it in. Don't bypass. We're not just singing along. We need to be a church that's at home with the significant. And so the sermon's about what? Jesus. And it being at home with the significant and hearing what we hear and living out what we've heard. And then we're going to take communion, which is what? Not just a thing where we get in line and eat some grape juice. A reminder of the reality of God incarnate saving sinners. And then we stand up and we sing. And then we're released. And I can't make you do significance. I can't make you pay attention to what you've already heard. And that's not my aim. My aim's not even to make you feel guilty, right? I was a really trivial thing, and my razor phone broke, and I don't know what to do about it because you can't get those anymore. I'll have to wait five years for them to be at a vintage store and whatever. <laughs> I don't care about your razor phone. I care that tomorrow, tomorrow at work, when your boss yells at you, you remember the cross. Or when... There's a way in your head that your kids should be doing stuff and then they're doing something different. You remember how God easily looks at you and knows what you should be doing and you're doing something different and then Jesus paid the price for that sin is sanctifying you and changing you and making you alive. And that by the way, parents, God's at work in you too. Don't forget it. Friends, dealing with your friends, God's at work at you too. He's at work at you. He's at work at you. In you. Through you. And so we build our 
Sunday time in our communities and our discipleship around Jesus. But my hope is that as a community, we build our lives around Jesus. Yeah, Bible. Read your Bible. Those are the words of God. Prayer. I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Pray till it gets awkward. You ever prayed till it gets awkward? You're like, what do you mean pray till it gets awkward? You prayed your list. You went through. You prayed for, you know, this is a, you can be praying for this church tough. A lot of our families are really sick right now. You know, I'm getting texts from people. My wife's, I'm sick. My family's home sick. Yeah, they need your prayer. He moves. But when was the last time you spent time in prayer saying, Jesus, I think you're awesome because you came as a baby. Only you could have thought that one up. And Jesus, that thing you did when you opened up the scroll and they're going to throw you off the cliff, that was really cool. And Jesus, yesterday, when I was going to get really frustrated at my kids and you helped me remember what I've already heard, and that happened in my heart, and repentance happened in my heart, and then I just loved my kids. That was so amazing. Thank you. Spending time awkwardly in your, maybe in your room, right? An awkward amount of time being like, wow, I have three pairs of shoes. Thank you. I pray for the brothers and sisters who have none. Wow, Jesus, I have a winter coat. I have two. Help me know who could use that other winter coat. An awkward amount of point in, t- in prayer where you've, you've worked through your list, and you work through it again. We spend time waiting on the Lord. We spend time listening to God. Where you spend time meditating. What does meditating mean? We live in Seattle. Don't think clearing your mind of everything. I mean being obsessed in your mind about Jesus. Pick a verse. Holy, holy, holy. There you go. Jesus, you're holy. Think about that all day. And sit there. Sit there on the significant. I want us to be at home with the significant because these are logs on the fire that produce a desire to know more, to do more, and to feel more for Jesus because it's a response at that point in time. I want us to be the people that you know if I'm in your hospital room that the thing I'm going to tell you is not, it'll be okay. Hope it's not raining from today until June. It starts raining for summer. <laughs> I want you to know when someone from Anger Church is with you there, we're going to hold your hand. We're going to cry with you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to tell you the truth. We're not going to belittle you. We'll give you some dignity. Walk with you in your pain. I want it to be when I feel like I've screwed up in the pulpit, when I feel like, man, I missed the ball there. When you look down, you're like, an hour and a half? Oh, goodness, how'd that happen? I don't want you to say, oh, it's okay, Tiger, just get in there. It'll be, oh, it was pretty good. Right? That's not what I'm looking for. When my life is falling apart, when I think I've failed in my performance, you know what I need to hear? I don't need to hear how my performance was good because it might not have been. You know what I need to know? I need to know that I'm a son of the Most High God and my destiny is with Jesus forever. That's what I need. You'll forget, you'll forget about this 10,000 years from now. You might forget about this 10 minutes from now. Jesus, the gospel, forever. So yeah, we're going to get into Melchizedek and it's going to be awesome and we'll jump around and Psalm 110, it's amazing, right? It's used of the Septuagint, it's fantastic. 
But more than I want you to think the author of Hebrews use of the book you've never heard of, the Septuagint, you may have heard, I don't know. The more that I care is that you remember what you've already heard. And that we have people who we be a people who seek significance day in and day out and grow in a passion for Jesus who saved us from ourselves into life day in and day out and that we're the people who tell each other the gospel and live the gospel out and respond to the gospel because if you remember that you're a sinner saved by grace, you're going to love your neighbors. You're going to worship Him. You're going to love the church. I'm not after changing your behavior. I'm after you seeing who Jesus is and I know He changes the rest. So if you don't know Him, you're invited into life. You're invited into real significance. Significance that can only come from God. And if, if you're struggling or this is hard, you're invited in. Jesus died for you to give you life. Let's be at home with the significance. Let's remember what you've already heard. Let's pray. Jesus, our deepest desire is you. That we love you. That we'd know you. That we'd see you. And we know that the reason we can love you and know you and see you is because you've got the hairs on our head counted because you have loved us first. You've got our name written in your book and you know us. Our significance doesn't come from our jobs or our accomplishments, our significance comes from your cross. Because you're a good and gracious God who has been good and gracious to us. And I just pray for us. The storms are coming. It's not one guy built his house on rock and no rain hit his house. And the other guy built his house on sand and rain hit his house. No, they both have rain. We have rain coming. And I pray that as a community we'd love each other and remind each other what we've already heard. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. Help us to see life. Help us to see life, Jesus. Pray these things in your name and for your glory, Jesus Christ. Amen.